This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Professor Wardscott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, which is a little bit nippy today, by the way, 44 degrees as we speak. Inside the Milton Law Studio, Milton Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida, and we're protected by crime prevention 24-7-365. Check them out for your local security needs, and they are local. That's one of the features about them that you'll want to appreciate very much. On-the-spot cleaners, check them out. Get your clothes clean there. Great supporters. R&R construction style cuts. Uh, We'll go through all that at the bottom of the hour. Um, there's a lot, of course, going on today. Today, possibly, possibly I've called the show today the indictment. And we'll probably spend a lot of time today talking about the judicial system, how it works or doesn't work, or uh, what it ends and wants to do and ends up doing and all that. So there'll be a number of um, events here that will be sort of all stringed together under the title of the indictment. I apologize for not getting actually to prosecutorial misconduct yesterday, uh, which is basically woven into today's show. I want to correct when I misspoke. I think I misspoke about Ole Miss. Ole Miss defeated Stanford. And that is a giant story going around the women's basketball world last uh, right now. And last night, thankfully, the University of Florida Gators looked like they had their right lineup together at long last. I was very, very uh, interested in the lineup that won convincingly against a Wake Forest team last night, and hopefully uh, that will continue to pay dividends. They're a little short down in the post against the big-time top one South Carolina, of course, who isn't, but they had some good run-and-gun shoot guards in there, and they moved the ball well and they were aggressive on defense and offense. I thought that was a very good sign. Uh, Locally, there's a few things we need to talk about, refresh you about. Um, I want to take you down the uh, memory lane for a moment. Uh, Down the origin, really, of the voter beep investigations. Now, you remember uh, that our commitment to the truth resulted in us unearthing discovering, revealing a lot of voter fraud. The use of that word, of course, got us permanently kicked off of YouTube because it violates their community standards to suggest that that even exists. So uh, we went over to Rumble. We invite you to follow us on Rumble and uh, expand our exposure there. And, of course, you can pick us up on any number of platforms that are available, uh, both of them. Audio and visual. And of course, uh, wardscottfiles.com archives all the shows. It has Ward's Hot Bulletin Board, has the mug shots, a number of things that we make available to you so that you'll kind of be up on what's going on in the community. I want to harken back to the voter beat beginning when um, our instigator investigator, I ease him and call him the instigator because. He bothers so many officials who ought to be doing their job who aren't. Um, began to discover rather routinely um, that um, in the jail here in Alachua County, during COVID, one uh, TJ Pichet had gone in, signed up a bunch of convicted felons, and knowingly did it because he knew that those felons couldn't be voting until they paid back what they took, and you'll see that most of them can never begin to do that. But this was an aggressive move 
And the enthusiasm for these kinds of moves by these supervisors was supported by financing from Zuckerberg, the father, if you will, of Facebook. And we learned that there was some, now this is from memory, I'm trying to remember, about 700000 if I recall, dollars that came in here to Alachua County Supervisor Elections to be used to really more than anything else probably uh, proliferate, expand the number of absentee ballots that went out. The absentee ballot is a very difficult thing to trace. It's uh, one of those loopholes uh, that enables uh, those who believe everybody who can make a breath on a mirror uh, should be able to vote. Uh, and that obviously opened up that spigot. And the other spigot was something under the title Community Outreach. And so the T.J. Pichet, who originally took the Fifth Amendment, when we finally got the FDLE to go try to talk to him, uh, went into the jail and signed up these hapless souls. And I, I just want to focus on one. Uh, we've been sharing quite a number of them with you as they are uh, sort of uh, taking the responsibility for not knowing and that they should be paying back their um, debt before they can vote or even that's not really the sticking point for us, though. Why register them? In the jail, particularly. When you know they wouldn't be in the jail in the first place if they didn't have a debt to society to pay. And the ethical question is, why didn't you tell them? Why didn't you advise them? That there was no way in God's green earth that they were going to actually be able to vote. Particularly when we did a search for emails and found out that the supervisor had informed T.J. Pichet that they have to pay back their debt before they can vote. Now, we don't know. And haven't heard yet under oath whether or not Barton and Pichet and his representatives of the truth actually told these hapless souls the truth. We won't know until we have one of these fellas challenge this in the court and actually want a trial. And we have one coming up that supposedly is going to do that. And we're going to go through today for you the indictment process and the charging process and all that. And ironically, we're going through it so that you'll understand it because today is the so-called indictment day for a former president. So we thought we'd go through with you what indictment process is. But this Leroy James Ross um, has... 12 felony convictions and 30 misdemeanor convictions. This is a professional criminal. This is a person who obviously by evidence provided by the criminal record is a criminal. And we shared this man's record with you a while back. Now, here's what we're led to believe. We're led to believe that the Alachua County Supervisor elections didn't ask or didn't care to ask or didn't want to know. They just wanted to sign up. Why? It's a great big question. Did they get any, make any money off of this? Well, in a way, yes, they did. 
They made it off of Zuckerbucks. Zuckerbucks, I think the supervisor bought a new van with some of that money, if I recall. Private money influencing a public election. Well, you'll say, well, that happens all the time. We got private money being donated to candidates. Yes. But here you got private money being donated to the state office. Now, to be sure, some of these supervisors returned the money. If my memory served me right, Marion County returned the money that Zuckerberg offered. Zuckerberg, Marion County is Republican County. They didn't want that money. Kim Barton said, come on down. We'll hit the lottery. And then they have to find a way to spend it. I would assume is one of the problems you'd have. And one of the ways to spend it was to go into the jail, the Alachua County Jail. And this was, by the way, when Darnell, Shady Darnell was the sheriff. Whom we know endorsed Andrew Gillum and marched as a sheriff in the Black Lives Matter parade in Gainesville. And we're going to get into the sheriff's office in a moment under another issue. Now, 12 felony convictions at the age of 64. You know, what's one more conviction to this man? If you look at it from his point of view, and he got to hang out in Alachua County Jail for a while, I should assume is better than the big house. But you and I don't know about that. The big house, this is this guy's home. And you know the effort we had to go through to get any law enforcement agency to take this seriously. We went to Kramer's office. Sat there with Kramer and Derry Lloyd, his chief investigator. Mark and I did. They kicked it over to the sheriff, the current sheriff, Clovis Watson Jr. Getting it off of their hands, they said, well, maybe the sheriff should go investigate this. Sheriff didn't bite for that. Sheriff gave it to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And the Florida Department of Law Enforcement did a very thorough investigation. Took a while. And by the way, that lady who was doing the investigation was there in the courtroom, I'm told. Should this have not been settled without a trial? Uh, you, You can bet that it's in the state attorney's interest to push for a deal rather than put T.J. Pichet and Kim Barton on stand under oath against a 12-time convicted felon. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't the optics of that be great? Can you see where we're coming from? Let's just offer this guy a deal to go away. But what's still not clear, what are the ethics of this? Of going into a jail with literally a captive audience that can't get away and hand them a clipboard and what do you tell them at that moment? As an agent of the state, what do you tell them at that moment? Huh? We don't know. We love to find out. If we get one that actually goes to trial, 
maybe we can find out and pry the truth out of their hands. And this is really and has been a developing story. And it runs uh, concurrent with the Trump story. Who Trump is being called on the to the judgment day for what? Well, the, here it appears that supervisor of elections office could be asked if they are complicit or trapped by defendant. If I were the liar for the defendant, I would ask him. But this defendant didn't care because it was a better deal that he got than being in the jug. What does he get? He gets, uh, see if I can uh, remember what he got. He got some community service and some months served and all these kind of things. So uh, let's see what it was. Um, 50 hours of community service and $621 in court costs. And uh, he could have gone to the jug for 15 years. But, you know. This is a good deal for him. Just one more day in the life of a con- serial criminal. So his last day in the jug, he was released in September 2020, uh, 2021. So anyway, I wanted to refresh you there. I wanted to take you down memory lane there on that story. And, uh, Talk again about law enforcement. Now, this is a developing research for us. We're researching the actual sheriff issue with lawsuits being filed against the current sheriff. Because before we talk about it, we're going to talk about both sides of the story, which I haven't seen yet. I've been following it in the media, and I haven't seen both sides of the story. Of course, when you're charged, you're kind of not allowed to talk until this runs its way through the system. But, you know, sheriffs in in Alonzo County, almost never be thin-skinned or they won't be the sheriff. If you recall that when Sadie Darnell became the sheriff, there were all these accusations and innuendos about her because she had been photographed as a GPD officer in nylon stockings, if I remember. That was a smear job. And the sheriff's thin skinned, why that's what for whatever reason. You remember you're herding around a lot of male alpha dogs when you're the sheriff. All of these males and females had better have dominant personalities, alpha dog personalities, because they're going to have to go out and dominate that which is the bad guy. So you've got to, now listen, I went to military school. I know how you do this. You do this with a strict command structure. And I told you, if you recall, about crossing the courtyard at military school 
a long way away, what I thought was a long way away, from the full bird Colonel Colonel Wade, whom I did not salute. And I was way across the courtyard from him. I hear this booming voice. Cadet, stop. It was my first year at the military school. I spent two years there. Boy, I knew when I heard that booming voice. So I immediately marched over to Colonel Wade. Colonel Wade posture was amazing. Firm, erect, alert. Heavily decorated from World War II. He was teaching me analytical geometry and trigonometry and all the mathematical skills I was taking at the time. You had to take or a military life. I said, yes, sir. Cadet Scott, you failed to salute me. And I said the thing my father told me to say. No excuse, sir. And saluted him. I never had Another moment of disapproval from Colonel Wade. And believe me, all the other colonels, we had generals there and admirals, I'm sure knew that it happened. that I had responded to Colonel Wade that way. So I've got some experience with combat organizations. And so if you're trying to run as a sheriff, a bunch of alpha dogs, male and female, I think you've got to have command structure. I'll assure you that from what I know already, which I'm not going to go into in great detail, the public doesn't understand legal challenges to the command structure. You recall, to harken back to Sheriff Darnell, that they used the color pink when talking about her uh, deputies. They were sheriff's pink deputies. If you took instructions from the woman, you had been somewhat feminized, is the implication. As a male alpha dog, you just have a lot of trouble. Do you not with that? I can recall that. There were people posting out on Facebook their contempt for her. There are still people. When I do my research, you don't like Ulrich. Of course, conversely, there are people who do. But do you hear from them? So right now there's a bunch of lawsuit hooplas going on about filing lawsuits against the sheriff. The lawsuits are actually filed against the sheriff's department. From what I understand, I've researched this quite a little bit, but I'm not going to go into the great detail that I'll have later. The sheriff's office, not the sheriff. The people who are filing the lawsuits were people disciplined by people under their 
charge. The sheriff didn't write up one single person. Now with Darnell, you remember she was accused of going after a deputy by the name of Zach Zadalis and firing him and all the hoopla surrounding that was that she'd done it to run off somebody who was running against her for sheriff. Do you recall that? That was a direct interaction between the sheriff and the deputies, I understand it. The people doing the lawsuit here are people disciplined by their superiors. So right now, the other side of the story is cannot be said by the sheriff because you can't speak to something that's still going through the system. But one fact is wrong that I've been looking at is the captain was not terminated. Captain got two-day suspension. Furthermore, this has not been written anywhere, but I've been researching this. There have been a, now the sheriff is a person of color. I understand that's the new phrase we have. A person of color. Under the current sheriff, there have been 170 promotions. Seventeen of them have been people of color. But that's not what this lawsuit's about. As I understand it, this is a lawsuit about what you do out on Facebook social medias. So this half of the hour has been devoted to local discovery, if you will, one of which is ongoing right now with the Sheriff's Department, and the other of which is still ongoing, if you will, with the Supervisor of Elections Office. And you know we went through an arduous one with the so-called Drotos Bossheart fiasco. where a party to the suit actually paid GPD for the investigation, which GPD then used against um, the other party in the suit. And the state attorney signed off on it. And you'll notice that was settled, right? Ha. You didn't want that one coming out. You didn't want all those details coming out. So now we're going to come over here to after the bottom of the hour break. Every since I can remember, there's never been a day as someone who does what I do that Trump hadn't been in the news. And every day has been an increasing way to try to stamp him out. And that story has been going on over six years. I've grown old while that story has been going on. We're back in a moment. We're going to do the weather here at the bottom of the hour and be right back on the Ward Scott file. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on 
on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Ward's Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil. And Lewis Oil is Chevron gas stations and our good friend, Wendell Lewis. So we thank her for supporting us. And we thank all of our sponsors that we just did. Uh, we have got a weird thing going to happen here. Get ready. Right now it's 44 degrees outside to get up to about 70 today. But after that, I think we're going to blast into warm weather and actually almost double the temperature we have outside right now up into maybe 88 degrees. It would be a doubling, wouldn't it, um, before long. So get ready. I had a fire in the fireplace last night. And, I think it's the last fire of the season. Um, and some people are skeptical about that. Oh, don't trust it. Don't trust it. I hear you. I know what you're saying. But I thought we had the ability to control the climate. Didn't you? I mean, we're spending billions on that. Went into that yesterday with you. And the UN reports, I'm just looking at some of the top stories around the world right now about weather, uh, that the... Uh, uh, climate time bomb is ticking. Wow, the climate time bomb. Uh, meanwhile, we're going to have more uh, storms in California with rain and snow and melting snow now. And uh, we're going to have uh, a lot of flooding in the southeast as we get ready to roll in spring. So get ready. Uh, make sure you've got your gutters cleaned out. And you can get rid of your water off your roof, for crying out loud. You heard it here on the Ward Scott Files. We just did that here a couple of days ago. Well, well, well. I'm going to um, go through just a moment with you a kind of, a, um, I don't know, summary of the reaction to what could happen today to the Trump world, which will be just one more day in the life of you-know-who. But I thought it was interesting what Ron DeSantis said, because there is a school of thought that, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, that by threatening to indict Trump, you're making him into a Robin Hood folk hero, and he'll become almost unbeatable. That becomes an interesting kind of reaction problem for DeSantis. If this works, and psychologically, I think there's 
find a little bit of truth to it. Monday, yesterday, DeSantis had a reaction to this. And he said his administration was, quote, not going to be involved with a manufactured circus by some Soros-backed DA. That's a pretty good mouthful. We know that DeSantis has disciplined liberal DA, at least one, here in the state of Florida who didn't want to follow the law. We know that Soros is like Zuckerberg was in the election. Soros keeps meddling in all the elections. Now, you know, one of the things that started this avalanche of media investigation on Trump was supposedly foreign countries meddling in the election. You've got a foreign country meddling in the election. You've got Soros, who's a Hungarian, pumping money into all kinds of elections. And DeSantis has replied that he's seen rumors swirl, but he hasn't seen any facts yet. And so he doesn't know what's going to happen. But he does know that the Manhattan district attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And DeSantis continued that he wasn't uh, um, going to weaponize um, he wasn't, here's what he was against, the Soros-funded prosecutors weaponizing their offices to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. Now, that's a very good, solid statement. And there's facts to back it up. This prosecuting attorney has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. And the crime rate in Manhattan, subsequently, I didn't say consequently, I said subsequently, has risen dramatically. DeSantis doesn't see the big deal in allegedly paying hush money to a porn star. And it's not illegal. What they're trying to say is he listed it as a business expense. They're trying to get him, I think, on a tax issue. Well, look at Madam Clinton. and how she perverted the judicial system. And look at Bill Clinton. While he was in office with an intern. Huh? Now, DeSantis has publicly said Monday that the Soros district attorneys are a menace to society. And that he's the only governor who has deliberately and publicly gone after these guys. He says, we're not involved in this thing with Trump. We have no interest in getting involved. And it's a manufactured circus. And he said, I got real issues I'm dealing with in the state of Florida. Interesting, huh? Pretty good political statement. You know, I've been watching Mike Tyson reinvent himself. He's gone from the most feared guy on the planet. Biting boxers ears off and the like. Doing time in the jug. Or sexual misconduct. And now to a kind of a father figure who is putting all that violence and all that business in perspective and distancing himself from it. 
And he was uh, in Orlando at the same hotel complex where the GOP retreat was going on at the Ritz-Carlton. And he told Breitbart News that he didn't think Trump should go to jail. And I thought this was an interesting comment from the baddest man on the earth at one time. He said, I think politics is what politics are. They have agendas, and that's it doesn't have to be a bad agenda, but it's an agenda. But I don't think he should go to jail. I don't know. I'm not a politician. But I don't want anyone to go to jail. Well, I wouldn't go for that far, you know. But he did, having been in jail himself. And he said, furthermore, he didn't usually get involved with politics, but that he'd known Trump for decades and that he had a different perspective about him. He said, um, I've known him for over 30 years. Now, I have a human perspective. And I like him. So that was kind of interesting. The baddest man on the planet with his tempered remarks or what the left considers to be the baddest man on the planet. Now, I'll just go through with you the indictment process here for you. A lot of people don't understand it. We've been talking about indictments and adjudications and all that. Um, An indictment is a formal charging document used when it is believed a person committed a crime. It includes charges against the person and has to be filed before a case can move forward in court. This is all stated by David Weinstein, who is a former federal and state prosecutor and a partner at Jones Walker Law Firm in Miami. He said an indictment means a grand jury decided that there is more likely than not enough evidence based on testimony to move forward with charges in this particular case. In federal court, every case, by the way, proceeds by way of indictment. And in some states like New York, New York uses a grand jury and indictments to proceed with cases. So what is the indictment process? A district attorney presents evidence to the grand jury and asks the jurors to consider certain charges. The jury then votes in secret on whether enough evidence exists to charge someone with a crime. And in federal court, the grand jury consists of 23 members. But this number varies depending upon the state. So if a majority of the jury believes a person committed a crime, it returns with a verdict. An indictment. People who are indicted can hire an attorney or choose to be represented by a public defender. If the grand jury votes against an indictment, the person is not required to plead to a criminal charge and there's no trial. So this is basically what Trump is going through in the state of New York. Um, The um, um, indictment is just the beginning Trump would have to surrender um, and he would have to go to the district attorney's office or open court to surrender where he'd be processed, fingerprinted, and have his mugshot taken. He would then go to court and have an initial appearance in front of a judge and hear the charges filed against him in the indictment. And then there could be a variety of steps. He could plead guilty or not guilty. Uh, They could reschedule the arraignment ask for the case to be set for trial. When it moved, you are now in the host room and can manage your callers from the call-in studio web interface. We're going to take a phone call in just a moment. And uh, charges can be dropped after an indictment. Frequently happens. And uh, we'll see how this works out. The district attorney could also decide to dismiss the charges. The judge could enter a motion to dismiss the case based on legal grounds, or there could be a legal issue in terms of the jurisdiction. I'm opening the phone line up now because tonight is going to be 
another yet discussion from the public uh, about um, um, the canine situation. So the uh, call-in line is open right now. I'm expecting a caller to call in momentarily and talk to us about tonight. Um, to reiterate, uh, if they do indict Trump and he does go get mugshotted and fingerprinted and all that, there is a real discussion about whether that's going to help him or hinder him. Uh, many say it will help him. Um, meanwhile, in the January 6, 2021 so-called riot, there have been a thousand prosecutions already. Can you believe it? A thousand. So um, some people think this is a trap by the left to uh, get more people to behave as they did on January 6th. And therefore, thereafter, they can blame Trump yet again because Trump has asked people to show up. And so a lot of people are not going to show up because they feel this could lead to a trap. The um, trap really has become a theme among the Trump protesters. And um, they're a little more cautious now about having, after having watched the January 6th insurrection crowd. Production, do we have anybody in the calling room yet? Okay. So um, now we'll be waiting to see if we get them offered that opportunity. Um, in the January 6th, of course, tens of thousands of Trump supporters uh, came to D.C., and um, they were protesting uh, the election results that, or that were certified, they think, uh, really, they're not accurate. And that, of course, has become a, um, a um, real rallying point. But it may not be this time a rallying point. Let's see, who is this prosecutor? Okay. Alvin Bragg. Um, let's talk about, um, well, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that analysis to see if he actually is indicted. There is an article, um, In the journal, Wall Street Journal called by Gerald Baker called the age of unseriousness. All this fervor for chasing Trump is an attempt. And don't forget Georgia's vote counting process is also going on concurrently. An attempt to keep the pressure on a guy they consider to be obviously a threat. And in Georgia, they're trying to indict him for his behavior over the 2020 election. Um, the problem with anybody paying any attention to that is the enormous mountain of nonsense about a Russian takeover of America that we've had to deal with for all the days that Trump has been not only president, but since Biden has been president. And there have been fictions and trivialities that have been consuming, so writes Baker, our political culture. There's never been, I don't remember, any bipartisan discussion that was serious and that was actually unbiased. 
Uh, we're getting a lot. The line keeps things busy. Is anything like that going on that you know of, Jared? He's hearing a busy signal. And a couple of people trying to get through. Can you can you look into that quickly? We're checking into this glitch on on this busy. I'm getting a couple of comments here that you're getting a busy signal. I can't hear it from my end. Um, I'm not in the production world. I don't know why this line is not working, but it needs to be working. I apologize for that. This needs to be, of course, corrected. We have to look into why this is happening. We pay for this line, so it should be working. So anyway, we haven't had any serious discussions in our quote-unquote culture wars. And in these culture wars, the primary point of discussion has been the critical race theory, which is a requires you to have a willing suspension of disbelief about history, Baker writes. A willing suspension of disbelief is a William Blake, the poet's phrase, and uh, it's a very good one. You willingly suspend your disbelief in history and you substitute some other. Um, Still trying. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm still, they're still getting a busy. I wonder if they're, are y'all dialing the entire number? 352-707-9101. Studio called it from their end. Uh, they got through. I'll even take a moment out here and call it from mine. See what we get. Thank you for calling the Ward Scott Files podcast. See, I'm through, right? Yep. I was just, I just called my own podcast. The line works. I'm not sure what you all are doing, but yours truly took time out and called himself. And um, the um, line is working. So, don't know, don't know, don't know. It's only so much I can do. But I did call myself and talk to myself on my own call-in line. So we're going through these, um, well, I've got to fill in this time here, waiting for these people to try to get through. I don't know why they don't get through, because uh, I got through. And if I get through, by golly, anybody can get through. The culture wars. What has defined the culture wars? Critical race theory? A profoundly unserious proposition. Biological sex isn't real? a profoundly unserious proposition. Climate change? Okay, take that caller. Hello. You're now on the line. Who is this? Did you let those people in? Go ahead and talk. They're not talking. Having fun today trying to make this work, my friends. Can't hear them. Can't hear them. Okay, I guess you need to terminate that when I can't hear them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, can't hear them. Well, I'm back to my proposition here I was talking about. 
Oh, interesting. Uh, we tried to do this for you all, and uh, you all are not getting through. For some reason, I got through. Uh, production got through. And so uh, then somebody gets through, we don't hear you. So I don't know what you're doing. Um, so what are our culture wars about? Critical race theory, biological sex isn't real, climate change, uh, and Ukraine, which is a strange one. Are we in or are we out? Uh, what are we doing? Is this the late stage collapse of civilization? Uh, no conversation much about that. So meanwhile, we are just talking about things that, you know, get judges shout, shouted out of um, out of um, law meetings at law schools and prestigious universities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I was going to get into going through Caracas, Venezuela, and what's going on in Venezuela, uh, but I don't think we'll have time now. And I apologize for, um, you know, us fiddling around here with the call-in line. I don't know exactly what the people did, but we gave you a shot at it. Uh, tonight, there will be, of course, at Williams Elementary, and I think it's at 6 o'clock, uh, yet another. Um, and it's going to be in the east side of town, so I suspect it'll be a, you know, a little bit uh, contentious, perhaps, um, about something that very few people know anything about. Um, Okay, hello? Yes, Ward, good morning. This is Bruce. We've got about two minutes, Yeah. Well, I'll pretty good. In reference to the meeting tonight, this is of utmost importance to the citizens of Gainesville, who may in fact be facing a situation where they lose a portion of their police department that is very effective and helps to stop crime. Some of the defunding that's going on, but this meeting is at 1245, Southwest 7th Avenue, 1245, Southeast 7th Avenue, Williams Elementary School. It's supposed to be for input in reference to continuing to keep the K-9 unit and input about the K-9 unit. Unfortunately, the previous meetings have turned into a situation of discussing the Terrell Bradley case rather than discussing the viability of keeping the K-9 unit. Any citizens interested in retaining your Gainesville Police Department K-9 unit and protecting the citizens of Gainesville with a 55-year history of that unit that I can enumerate uh, at some other time should try to attend that meeting to voice their support for the Gainesville Police Department K-9 unit ward. Bruce, isn't the K-9 unit down to just two dogs, sir? Yes, and they're not even actively working now. They're under supervision of the sheriff. And I don't have time now to explain, but I think if they turn this over to the sheriff, that would be a good thing. But in the past GPD, 50 years ago when I was K-9, sheriff called us for backup. And that won't work. It's a good thing. It's better than nothing. But having active dogs on patrol on the scene when a crime is committed is what matters, not uh, responding an hour later for a track. The Gainesville Police Department K-9 unit on patrol, on duty, ready to respond and respond to felonies, serious crimes, tracks, and other incidents is a necessity. Uh, it has a, a past of uh, showing exactly what they can accomplish. And, and so that's what this meeting is about, to state your support for the K-9 unit to keep it in place. There's a lot of funding issues coming up because of the bio mess. I hate to see this K-9 unit be on the chopping block, uh, but I fear that's what's already been written in the cards. But attend the meeting if you can. Again, 1245 Southeast 7th Avenue, Williams Elementary School at 6 p.m. Thank you very much, sir. I apologize for us not contacting earlier, but uh, we'll enlarge upon this. And maybe uh, we'll have a post-game uh, analysis here. Uh, in a few days, as it goes, goes on tonight at that meeting, whether it turns into some sort of misinformation, uh, as you say, focus on Bradley and not on the dogs and all the above. So we'll plan in the future to come back and, and look at how this meeting went and ask you uh, maybe to participate in that, Bruce. So, Oh, I would love to because there's so much the public needs to know. Well, thank you, sir, for calling in. We're right out of time. And, uh, we uh, uh, appreciate um, the interest that people have in the community. We're glad to uh, share our uh, position to help you be informed. And uh, it is probably uh, going to be, has been in the past, focusing on uh, this fellow who lost the eye, which we know was photographed. We've done a public records request for that photograph 
of a stick pointing through the eye, not a dog. So we'll we'll share that with you when we get it. Um, thank you so much for tuning into the Ward Scott Finals today. Uh, we may have Ted Yoho with us tomorrow. He and I have uh, messaged each other. He's in Tokyo, Japan, and they're about a day ahead of us um, and about exactly 12 hours lopsided. So we'll see how that goes. We're going to try to hook up with Ted Yoho from Tokyo, Japan tomorrow. Thank you very much, production, and thank you very much, Bruce, and thank you for all of you who support and listen to the Ward Scott Files. Warthog Command Center out.